Let's talk about some players who changed teams in the offseason. So I think it's only right to start it off with the biggest trade in the offseason. Let's talk about Damian Lillard. Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck, and I think he's going to produce just like he did in Portland. Last year, even though he only played 58 games, he managed to put up a career high in points with about 32.2 per game. And he also matches career high in field goal percentage, shooting at 46% from the field. And I think if that's any indication of what's to come, you can expect Lillard to continue to score points at a high clip and efficiently. For his career, he averages about 8.33 point attempts per game. I don't see that changing very much. He's going to be soaking up all of Drew Holiday's minutes. I see him getting close to that 36 minute mark per night. Campaign is his only backup, so he's going to be relied on heavily, and I'm really excited to see what him and Giannis can do. This pick-and-roll game is going to be nasty. I have to think that if Giannis is the 1A in this offense, then Lillard is a very close 1B. He's definitely ahead of Chris Middleton now, and I think he has a green light to shoot it from wherever he wants. We know he's great from the half-court mark, pulling up off the pick-and-pop, and I think he's going to continue to demonstrate that he's still a great shooter, despite being 33 years old. At this stage of his career, we kind of know what to expect. He's going to get you solid points, shoot it well from the free-throw line, shoot it well from the field, get you some solid assists, chip in some rebounds, and get you about a steal per game. So he's still a very solid pick at the end of the first round. If you can get him in the top of the second round, I would consider that a steal. But I would feel very comfortable spending that kind of draft capital on him. My only couple of concerns are going to be the fact that he is 33 years old like I mentioned. And in the last couple seasons, he's dealt with some injuries. Two years ago, he had an abdominal injury, which I guess had been lingering. And he finally addressed it with surgery and missed a good chunk of time. Last year, he ended up getting a calf injury and he was in and out of the lineup towards the end, hence him only playing 58 games. He probably could have played a little bit more last year, but with the Blazers focused on the lottery, they just decided to shut him down. My other concern is the fact that both Giannis and Lillard were in the top six in terms of usage rate last year, so when they're both on the floor, it'll be interesting to see who they're drawing plays up for. Nonetheless, draft him with confidence and expect him to produce in multiple categories. Moving on to another big offseason move, let's talk about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is now a Phoenix Sun, and predicting his fantasy value is going to be a little bit tricky. At this point, we're not really sure what the shot distribution is going to be in Phoenix. I'm sure Devin Booker's still going to get his. It's his team technically, with Chris Paul no longer in the lineup. The expectation is that Booker is going to slide into that one role a little bit more. Obviously, they still have Kevin Durant, who's definitely going to get his. And then that leaves Beal. Beal, we know, is not a lockdown defender. He's going to get you a lot of points. He'll chip in assists, some decent rebounds, get you a little bit more than one steal per game. But I have to think that his shot quantity is going to go down a decent amount. We also know that he's going to be shooting a lot of three-pointers. He averages about six attempts per game. And I think he's going to be on the court a lot more than people are expecting. This team is pretty thin overall, and they're going to have shallow rotations. There's not a ton behind him, so when he's on the floor, he's probably going to have the ball in his hands a decent amount. I know the Suns brought in Yusuf Nurkic and also Eric Gordon, and they're going to probably still bring in some role players. They also have Drew Eubanks, I believe. So he's definitely going to have a heavy role on this team and in this offense. He is coming off a career high in terms of field goal percentage with 51%, and he also had a career high in blocks, averaging about 0.7 per game. But the problem with him is that he's really never been healthy. Over the last four years, he's only averaged about 52 games per season. And I think we're going to see his draft stock fall for that reason. Coupled with the fact that he's going to have fewer shots, I have to think you could get him for a discount. Next up, Chris Paul. It's still weird seeing Paul in a Golden State uniform, but I think he's going to definitely contribute to this team. Maybe not at the same rate that we're used to seeing, but he should definitely give you solid assists. Over the last three years in Phoenix, he averaged about 9.5 per game, which lines up with his career average. And I think he's going to be playing with the second unit sooner rather than later. He'll probably start, 
most likely to just stroke his ego and make him feel like he's still a starter. But I think inevitably, it's going to be best to bring him off the bench. And once that happens, we should really see him flourish. He has some great shooters around him in Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. He'll probably see the floor with Steph Curry a bunch too. And I think in the end, he's going to be soaking up all of Jordan Poole's minutes, which was around 30 per game. So he's definitely going to get plenty of time. The only issue is with him is health. Every year, he seems to have something go wrong with his lower body whether it be a hamstring, a groin. We've just become accustomed to Paul getting hurt at some point in the season, typically towards the end of the season when it matters most. And for his sake and for anybody drafting him this year, I hope that's not the case. I think it's still safe to expect the elite steals that he provides. He averaged about 1.6 per game during his three seasons in Phoenix. But I will also mention that last year he had a career low in points scored per game with 13.9. So I would anticipate a dip in scoring. He's still going to help you pretty much everywhere else. Solid percentages, definitely assists, steals like I mentioned. Probably won't get you too many blocks. But for a guard, he rebounds pretty decently as well. At this stage of his career, I would definitely not reach for him. I think at best you should target him in the middle rounds. Now moving on to the guy that Chris Paul was traded for, Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole I think is going to have the biggest green light in the NBA. And he may average close to 30 points per game. It may be inefficient. But if you're looking for points, he's definitely going to give them to you. And also three-pointers. Over the last two seasons, he's averaged almost eight attempts per game. And he also gets to the line at a pretty good rate. He averages about 5.1 free throw attempts per game. So you can expect those two things if you do draft him. But as far as defensive stats, definitely temper your expectations. He really hasn't developed that part of his game just yet. That's probably a big reason why he was shipped out of Golden State. He won't get you very many steals, blocks or even assists. And speaking of assists, his assist to turnover ratio is not that great. As it stands, he averages about 4.5 assists to 3.1 turnovers. And if he wants to really improve on his game, that's one area he's gonna have to focus on. This team is young, he's gonna get plenty of minutes. He'll probably get close to 36 minutes a night. So if you're looking for a high usage player, he's definitely someone to target. I think he's a much better target in point leagues than he is in category leagues, but He's still going to get a lot of playing time, so he has the potential to accumulate a lot of stats. He's also someone that's kind of hard to predict in terms of where to draft him. I've seen him go all over the place in drafts. I guess it just comes down to your confidence in the Wizards and pool individually. Next up, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is always kind of slept on in my opinion, and I think he's going to flourish in Boston. He's going to start alongside Kristaps Porzingis, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford. And I think he's going to be the main facilitator on this offense. There's little doubt in my mind that he's going to match his career averages. For his career, he averages a little bit more than 18 points per game. He also gets you about 7 assists per game. Almost 5 rebounds per game. Will get you 1.5 steals per game. And about half a block. These are very, very solid numbers for a guard. There really isn't too many weak points in his game. If I were to pick one thing, I would say the free throw average. He's right around 78%. But he has clipped 80% in the past, and he's very capable of shooting well from the line. He's basically going to absorb the Marcus Smart role on this offense. He might facilitate a little bit more than he has in the past, and he might take a slight hit to his offensive usage just because he has so many scorers around him. But I think he's a great pick in the middle rounds, and I would even think about reaching for him. Next up, DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is incredibly consistent, but he's also a little underwhelming for a number one pick. He's pretty much a double-double machine. He's averaged around 17 points per game and a little bit more than 10 rebounds per game for his career. But he always leaves us wanting more. He's never really brought it on the defensive end, averaging about one block per game and 0.7 steals per game for his career. 
And at this stage of his career, we would hope that he would have made strides in these areas, but he just hasn't. And at times he's had a poor attitude, looks like he hasn't had a lot of effort on the court, and that's a problem. So if you do draft him, you kind of know what to expect. Good field goal percentages, he'll probably shoot it close to 60%, solid rebounds, good points, but that's pretty much it. I definitely wouldn't draft him as like your number one starting center, but if he's your depth or maybe a number three center, that's probably a good expectation for him. Staying on the topic of Portland centers, let's talk about Robert Williams. Time Lord was probably brought in to offset some of DeAndre Ayton's inefficiencies. We know what Williams brings, elite defensive stats, specifically great shot blocking, he'll get you steals, elite field goal percentage, and solid rebounding. The issue for Time Lord, unfortunately, has one, been minutes, and two, been availability. Over his career, he's only averaged around 42 games per season. And we saw a big drop off in his minutes from two years ago to last year. If he can get back up to that 29 minute mark like he was in 2021-2022, then he has a great chance to be a steal. Right now he's falling down draft boards and I think people are scared to pick him because of the injury scares. But this is a guy that's averaged 1.8 blocks, 0.8 steals, 8.2 rebounds, and shot at 73% over the last three years. So he's definitely very talented. He just has to find a way to stay healthy and also find minutes. If he can do that, he could be one of the biggest steals on draft day. Right now, he's going towards the end of drafts, and I'd probably target him there if you can. Somebody may reach for him just because of his upside, but if you're looking for a center that's a great value, I think Time Lord is someone you definitely want to consider. Moving on to another center that's dealt with some health issues, Yusuf Nurkic. Nurkic has been extremely productive when he's been on the floor, averaging about 12 points and 9 rebounds per night. You can pretty much count on him for a double-double whenever he's in the lineup. And in Phoenix, he's probably going to get a lot of minutes if he can stay upright. For his career, he's had about 2.1 stocks per game. He shoots it over 50%. And even last year, he enjoyed a career high from the three-point line. So he has a ton of upside. Like I mentioned, health is his biggest issue. So if you do draft him, bake that into the cost. I think you could get him in late rounds as well. He could also be a great steal if he manages to stay healthy. But I would expect him to miss about 10 to 15 games at the minimum. Next up, uh, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is an interesting one to dissect. For the first 25 games, while John Moran is suspended, it's going to be really interesting to see what Smart's role is. I have to think he's going to see a big uptick in his offensive output, but that may be a good or bad thing. He's never been a great shooter from the field, nor has he been a great shooter from three, but that hasn't discouraged him from taking the three-point shot. We've all seen him take ill-advised threes, typically during crucial moments, but he's also made his fair share of them. So if you draft him, you kind of know what to expect. He's going to get you elite steals. He's averaged about 1.6 throughout his career. He'll get you some assists, but you're going to have to punt field goal percentage and also three-point percentage. He also has a tendency to turn the ball over at times. So he's definitely someone that should have a lot more value during the first 25 games. At this point, only Derrick Rose is backing him up, so he should have the ball in his hands a ton. Once Morant does come back, things may get a little stickier. I'm curious to see what the rotation is going to be between Desmond Bain, Derrick Rose, and Marcus Smart. I think Smart should still have a substantial role on this team throughout the year, just because of what he brings on defense and how this team is structured. They're gritty, and he fits their style of play perfectly. Lastly, John Collins. John Collins finally got traded after years of speculation. He's now a Utah Jazz, and he's actually coming off his worst season. Last year, he had a career low in rebounds, field goal percentage, and free throw percentage, but a lot of that was attributed to the fact that he had a finger injury he was dealing with all year. 
But I think this year with his injury behind him, he'll definitely be closer to his career averages of around 15 points per game, around 8 rebounds, 1.6 stocks per game, and even an assist or two. I think at this stage of his career, being 25, he definitely has the ability to be a top 70 player. It just may be tough given how much of a logjam there is in the front court in Utah. Between Laurie Markkinen, Kelly Olynyk, and Walker Kessler, it's going to be tough for him to carve out a consistent role. I think he'll definitely start, but I think you have to temper your expectations to start off the season. At this point, I see him getting close to 28, 29 minutes a game. How efficient he is with those minutes remains to be seen, but he's definitely talented enough young enough, and should be able to return decent value. I wouldn't reach for him. I think you could probably get him in the later rounds, but he's definitely not a top 25 player like he once was. Those are some players who changed teams this offseason. Thank you so much for watching. Please subscribe and let me know your thoughts on these moves in the comments below.